I was encourage you to take them and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew and chapter 16. Our text will be found in verse 19. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. <clears throat> Good morning, a beautiful day. I must begin with confession. Um, it was great to have um, Ian visiting um, from Scotland. Uh, here this morning to play the piano. I did not know that he was from Scotland. I was talking to him, listening to his accent. I asked him, so are you from Australia? Please forgive me, my brother. That's like listening to someone from Pennsylvania. Say, are you from Louisiana? Where where are you from? Just please forgive me for that. I try. I honestly try. I've, I've just got this to work with. That's all. We have a text, um, it's a short text, um, interesting text you probably have never heard a message on before from this particular text. So we will pray that the Lord gives us the strength, the ability to understand, and Lord willing, apply it to our hearts. Um, Let's bow our heads first, ask for the Lord's help as we dive um, into Matthew 16, 19. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you for another day you've graced us with. I thank you for how beautiful of a day it is. I thank you, Lord, as we just sang that we are here to worship. And we don't don't stop worshiping when we uh, stop singing, but Lord, we worship through your word. And we ask now that your Holy Spirit in a unique and a powerful way would speak to us through your word. Uh, Lord, we have been um, granted amazing graces, uh, mercies that are new every day. Uh, We have been gifted with unconditional love. We have been given a a message of good news uh, that we can um, accept by faith. And Father, with all of that, we know that we will be reminded today of the responsibility that rests upon our shoulders. Be faithful and obedient to your word. Now, Lord, as, as we do learn this morning, I, I pray for um, every person that's here. People have come, uh, Lord, and some of them are exhausted uh, from a long week. And I pray, Lord, that you would encourage their hearts. Some, Lord, are, are here that are, are not feeling well physically. I would ask that you would renew their strength today. I pray, Lord, that some who are here are worried or, or burdened about the week to come uh, that you would calm and soothe and comfort as you promise. I pray, Lord, for some that are here today that really don't know why they're here. Lord, my prayer is that your spirit would quicken them, awaken them, and for all of us that we would be convicted by the full weight of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would apply it to every part of our life, every conversation, our entire view of this world would be seen through the lens of the gospel. Uh, Lord, please be with us as a church. Uh, Give us patience in the building process. Father, I pray that as we continue to prepare to minister to the community in greater ways, that you give us the strength that is needed to do that, to do that well, and to do that first and foremost, and only for your glory. God, may you please guard my mind and mouth now as I speak. May it be only your words. We ask this in the amazing, wonderful, and powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. 
We've been involved in a series referred to as ecclesia. We know that's the Greek word for church. Uh, we, we talk about the idea that, that it literally is defined as what a group of people that have been called out, you have been called out, pointed, pulled forward for a unique purpose, that you're not just here to suck air and take up space. God has given you a purpose in life. Now, to fulfill that purpose, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ throughout his ministry has given to us repeated promises. We've looked at some of these. I will build my church. This is his doing, okay? We can breathe deep and relax. God will accomplish his perfect will. We get to have a little part of that. He says, I will come to you, speaking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I will make you fishers of men. I will give you words and wisdom. Those times when we're like, like, we don't have it. God promises to give us everything that we need. I will never leave you or forsake you. Last week, we looked at the fact that I will give you rest, that God is the only one who can truly nourish our souls, all promises that clarify our purpose, but also hopefully encourage us and give to us the power that we need to fulfill the job that God has given to us as a local church. We look at another one today. It's kind of on the heels of the very first one that we looked at from Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, I will build my church. Now we're Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. Follow along as I read our text for us this morning. Jesus is speaking, he says this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. It's, it's a quote that is found only one time in the gospels. Let's just back up a little bit. Remember the, the setting here? Jesus is in the midst of his earthly public ministry. It is in full swing. Uh, We know recently that in Matthew chapter 15, it records literally crowds of people have been healed by Jesus. He's just fed the 4,000 Gentiles. The religious leaders are becoming irritated, agitated with Jesus. And so they demand signs from him And Jesus speaks out openly against them. He speaks about their hypocrisy. He speaks about their sin. If you recall, he has this conversation with his disciples. And Jesus asks, who who do people say that I am? Who do you, you say that I am? Peter responds, speaking in a sense on behalf of the rest of the apostles, saying, you are Christ, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus promises to build his church not upon One man, okay, the rock himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, the foundation of the church. And then again, speaking to Peter, but as a representative of the apostles, we have this phrase, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What does Jesus mean by this? It is a controversial and debated text within the pages of scripture. Let me tell you this. Number one, first and foremost, when Jesus says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Number one, he is making a declaration that gives authority to the church. Okay? So when Jesus says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom, what is he saying? He's making a declaration that that gives authority 
to the church. He uses a metaphor as the great communicator and illustrator that Jesus is. A picture, a word picture for us to help us learn, help us understand. And he does it through this idea of a key. Okay, what is a key? A key locks a door and a key unlocks a door. You have keys to your home or to your office, to your car or your truck, a a key to a gate, a key to a a, a safe, safe deposit box or a lock box. We know that without a key, and we're trying to get in somewhere, it's really desperate feeling if, you, if you're trying to get somewhere, but you don't have a key. Did you ever lose your keys before? About two months ago, uh, the first part of May, Thursday morning, I remember it very specifically, Thursday morning, I got up, same routine, brush your teeth, comb your hair, do all those things. And I was, I, I, I went to, to go and I went to the same place that I keep my keys and they weren't there. And you're like, wait a minute, they're, they're there. and you check in the drawer near that, and they're not there. And so you begin to automatically kind of rewind. Okay, when was the last, when was the last time? I'm looking for the keys to the Jeep. Where, 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 is, where are they? Thursday, and, and I realized, okay, I came home. Wednesday night was an elders meeting. I was late as I drove into the garage. I noticed that there was like garbage collected. You know how there's garbage collected somehow? And so I was emptying the garbage and I realized that as I probably threw the garbage into the garbage in the garage, I must have accidentally thrown my keys in the garbage as well. And so as I began to, to, to kind of backtrack in my mind, this is what I must have done. I was immediately struck with the sound out in front of my yard as I heard the garbage truck drive away. Because Thursday, what? Morning, I make sure the garbage is taken out. And it gets dumped in the truck and they drive away. And at that very thought, I thought, oh, no. This is not going to be just dig through the garbage in the garbage can. This is what? It's gone. It has just literally been dumped into the truck and the truck drives away. And you have this sense of, I can't go anywhere. I'm not one of those guys that has two keys to a vehicle. I got one key, one key. I know that's not the smartest thing. I just called a guy from Scotland, from Australia. I, I immediately thought, okay, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the garbage company. And so I looked through a number somewhere, looked through, and I found, and I, I found a lady who answered the phone. And I said, I got a little bit of a situation. I threw my keys into the garbage can. The garbage got dumped into your truck. Your truck is driving somewhere. I have no idea. He's gone. Can you stop him? And can you ask him to look for my keys? I knew this was a long shot. She said that she, she would do the best that she could. And about 10 minutes later, I received a phone call back and said, guess what? She had dispatched. She had called the truck. They stopped there. The young guy whose name was Aaron, I got his name, went to the back of the truck And he literally found my keys in the back of the garbage truck. And he literally, they drove them all the way back to me and brought them. I was waiting like to go to work early that morning. I was like, what is your name? And Ed was the driver. Aaron was the guy who found the keys. Holly was the one on the phone. I literally, I brought them flowers. I delivered them donuts. 
I will forever be indebted to you. But what's the feeling like? You have, you have it. You can go drive wherever until you've lost that key, until you don't have the key any longer. It's a desperate, desperate feeling. When you can't go, you can't get into a place that you want to. Key. Keys are generally associated with what? I have the authority to drive this vehicle. I have the authority to go into this office. I have the authority to open this door. Authority is given either through ownership, what? I own this place. Therefore, I have a key to it. Apparently, it's, it's a place that I'm allowed to go that others are not allowed to go. That's why it's locked. Or else what? Authority is also associated with trust. If, if I don't own it, someone has entrusted me with a key. I don't own the office key, but I've been entrusted with one to walk in there and open the door. What we have here this morning, we're not just talking about the idea of we're just holding a key or we just found a key. That doesn't give us authority. But there's actually a key that has been given to us. My little guy, our little grandson, Denson, is fascinated with keys. He's, what, a, a year and eight months old? Fascinated with keys. Dig through Mimi's purse and dig through pockets. And it wasn't that long. He was, he was sitting with me in the Jeep. We were waiting for something. And he had the keys. And, and of all the keys, literally, he found the right one, stuck it right into the ignition, and just looks at me and smiles. Because <laughs> he's got the key. Does that give him the authority? No, they're not his keys doesn't have the authority to do anything with those other than he thinks he does. Jesus is saying what? This isn't just something that you've found on the side of the road. This isn't something that, that, you've, that you've stolen. This is something that I, Jesus, as the only one who has legitimate authority, will give you, will grant you access. Jesus is what? Therefore making a declaration a declaration is defined as a formal or explicit statement or announcement. I am giving you the keys. What are the keys? It's a picture of what? Authority that has been granted, trust that has been given, and access to the kingdom of God. That's what the keys are. Who are the keys given to? It's interesting here that what? Jesus is in dialogue with Peter. He says, I will give you, and I looked at this pronoun you. Well, what? It must be. It's actually singular. I'm giving you these keys. Now, now, do we believe that, that Peter is the only one who grants everyone access? How many times have we heard, well, I had this dream, and I, I died, and I went to heaven, and, 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 and Peter was there standing at the pearly gates, Okay, you've heard that phrase. And he's going to what? Give certain people permission. That's really not, that's, that's the dreams that we have. There's been great confusion. We know that many people in some belief systems, the Catholic Church specifically would say that Peter was what granted the authority, thus becoming the first pope. If I were to read to you the Catholic Catechism itself, It explains this according to their doctrine that the Lord made Simon alone, whom he named Peter, the rock of his church. He gave him the keys of his church and instituted him shepherd of the whole flock. 
the office of binding and loosing, which was given loosing loosing, which was given to Peter, was also assigned to the college of apostles united to its head. This pastoral office of Peter and other apostles belongs to the church's very foundation and is continued by the bishops under the primacy of the Pope. Wait a minute, Pope claims to be infallible. Pope, at some degrees, they, they would say is sinless. We know that Peter, certainly, if you were to continue, continue just a couple verses, just a couple verses, verse 23, you have what? Jesus rebuking um, Peter and Peter rebuking Jesus. And Jesus saying, what? Peter, get, get, get thee behind me, Satan. We know that this can't be one person who is, what, perfect by way of a human because we know that, what? We know that ultimately Jesus is the only perfect and sinless Messiah. So, so the whole idea that Peter is the only one who is considered perfect in order to receive this is simply not true. I like the way David Platt simply describes it. This text is not about a supreme pope. It's about a sovereign savior. This text is not about an infallible pope. It's about an invincible mission. So what is Jesus doing here? Therefore, he is saying... But he alone has the authority to give the keys to Peter, to the apostles, and also to the, what is he building? And he just promised to build. Ecclesia. I'm giving you, the church, the keys to the kingdom of God. You have been called out for a purpose. Here is part of the purpose. Therefore, the keys are not reserved for one person. The keys are not reserved for just the apostles. The keys are actually given to what? To you, to me as part of the church of Jesus Christ. Think about this for a moment. If you would raise your hand and say, yep, yep, I am a Christian. I desire to follow Christ. I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I have put my whole faith in the finished work of Jesus, that which accomplished on the cross and in the tomb. I have accepted him as Savior and as Lord, then what? You have been granted entrance to the kingdom of heaven, and you also have been given authority to say to any person on the face of this earth, if you turn from your sin and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you will be free from sin and forgiven from sin forever and ever. That is a guarantee based on the authority that we read from Christ in his word. John MacArthur says it like this, and I quote, what is this key? It is that revelation of our father who is, who is in heaven concerning his son written on the pages of Holy Scripture. What is this key? It is the gospel of the glory of God shining in the face of Jesus Christ. To borrow Paul's language in 2 Corinthians 4, you have the keys to the kingdom. It is the gospel. To those who are perishing, it's, it's foolishness. But to those who believe, it is the power of God. Literally, we as believers possess the keys 
to the kingdom of God. This is not for some pope. This is not for some cardinal or some bishop or some priest or some religious leader. Every believer who understands the gospel enough to believe it and be saved possesses the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Realize this is something that has been gifted and granted to us and we receive this. It's interesting to note as well that there are several faiths Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses who all have secret kind of priesthood of who actually is receiving these keys to the kingdom. It's not like that. This is, this is the truth of the gospel that is granted to every single one of us. So we know first and foremost, when Jesus is saying this, he has given to us authority. But what? With authority comes responsibility, Right? With authority comes responsibility. Our second point this morning is this. When Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, he is giving an invitation that offers access to heaven. He's giving an invitation that, in a sense, unlocks heaven. The invitation is what? An invitation is a written or a formal request inviting somewhere, someone to go somewhere or do something. So we we looked at, in a sense, what the keys are and who they're given to. Why are the keys given? There's a sense of responsibility that comes with the authority that we've been granted. First and foremost, it is to tell others the truth about how and who has entrance to the kingdom of heaven. So with part of the responsibility that is given with the authority that has been granted, it's what? It's to tell other people. This is is how we get into the kingdom of heaven. This is how the door is unlocked. And this is who is granted access. Therefore, we also tell them who is not given access to the kingdom of God. We also know the part of our responsibility is what? Is to invite others to, to, to go where I'm going. Do what I'm going to do, worship for all of eternity. Do you ever, ever, um, I know we pride ourselves on the comfort of our own homes, but for some reason, part of our, our, um, part of the things we look forward to throughout the course of the year is to leave our own home, right? And to go someplace else for vacation. So we have a beautiful, comfortable home, many of us, all of us. And yet for some reason, part of the break that we, we think that we need and that we know that we deserve after working hard is to go away from our home and to go to someplace else and kind of pretend for a week that what you, you really do live on the beach when you really don't. You live in central PA. Or, or what? We go to a little log cabin tucked away in the wilderness, in the woods, in the mountains somewhere. And and we are given for that time period, two days, three days, a long weekend, a week, you're given keys to your vacation spot. You ever stay in some really nice digs before? Like we we found this place online and we were a little bit, and yet when we got there, we're like, whoa, whoa. What is interesting is is one of the first responses, everyone is, well, you got to write a review about this place. I was expecting a dump and I found this palatial, gorgeous 
spot. What do you inevitably do? Like if you're writing a review to say, man, you've got to check out this place. And then someone's talking to you and say, we just, we just went on vacation and we found this little spot. You've got to try this place out. We inevitably do that. I, I have found this precious gift and I want you to go there. You need to enjoy what we enjoy. You need to see the scenes and the sights and scenery that we saw. Realize that is exactly what is happening with inviting people into the glories, the eternal glories, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Spend some time today. Spend some time before you talk in. Go to Revelation 21. Go, go to the end of, of the last book and you get a little bit of a glimpse about the streets of gold, about the glassy sea, about the, 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 the jewels, the crowns and the pearls on the gates, a place where there'll be no sickness, a place where there'll be no tears. It, it's, it's totally, it's otherworldly. It's, it's, any of you have like pearls on the gates of your home? no. Do you drive up your driveway with gold pavements? No. You you realize that is a description, not just the glories and wonders of that physically, but the very presence of God. You know, those few moments, those few moments when you're quiet and your soul is at rest. You're sitting outside and you're reading the word of God in the splendor and beauty and wonder of his creation, and you just know that you are communing with the Lord in those few moments. Wow. It's just me and God. And then reality comes. The alarm goes off the next day, and we head through the doldrums of another week. Do you realize that that fellowship, that koinonia, that communion, is going to be what? Forever and ever and ever. And you have the privilege and the opportunity. And frankly, you've been given the authority. And with that authority, the responsibility to tell others they can enjoy the very presence of God as well. Remember Peter and, and all the apostles, no doubt they were fulfilling a very unique and a very specific role in the launching of the church, taking the gospel to every region at a very critical time in all of history. But we have to understand that this statement was not just for Peter, it was not just for the apostles, but it is a declaration to anyone who proclaims the gospel. In just a, just a little while, Jesus will conclude his earthly ministry. Mark chapter 16, he tells us, go into all of the world and proclaim the gospel. Matthew 28 says exactly the same thing in our Great Commission. Therefore, we have to understand and know that it is the gospel that is the truth that grants access or what? Or denies access to the kingdom of God. That's the, that's the binding and the loosing that Jesus is talking about. 
How many times have you heard people go around and say, I bind you, Satan. I bind you, sickness. I bind you, spirit of discouragement. That, that has nothing to do, that has nothing to do with what this t- text is talking about. No, no, Jesus alone has the authority. Jesus alone has been gifted and granting us authority to tell other people to proclaim the gospel because he is the one who has made it clear to us. Which means that I know this is hard because you have no right, according to our world, you have no right to speak into someone else's life. You have no right to tell me uh, whether or not I'm heading to heaven or, or heading to hell. And that's totally wrong according to what we see in scripture. Realize that, that we can. Realize we should tell people whether or not they're going to heaven or they're going to hell. Now, now pause on that because we have to really be careful here. Ephesians 4 says we always speak truth in love. We know that we have been given authority. With that authority comes responsibility. And the responsibility is to let people know whether or not they're heading to heaven or to hell. But we have to be very careful with how this is spoken. When we build relationships with people. We spend time with people. We listen to them. We care for them. We cry with them. We pray with them. We can tell them upon upon their belief. We rejoice that they are heading to the kingdom or what I ache for you. Because what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing, you are not going to the kingdom of God. This is not based upon my authority. This is not based upon any one of our own authority. This is based upon the authority of what the word of God given to us by God himself. So there is this responsibility that we have to speak into other people's lives. This this leads us right into, from Matthew chapter 16, we get into Matthew chapter 18 on the whole subject of even church discipline. In an hour and a half, what, second service? We're going to receive six new members into our fellowship here formally as members, part of Big Woods Bible Church. They're going to literally, they're going to come forward. They're going to stand in front. And I'm going to explain to them, just like I do every single time, that they will enjoy all of the blessings and privileges. But what we are also calling them forward to say, you're giving us permission, authority to speak into your own life. That's what it's all about. Yeah, but we can't, you, you can't judge someone. No, no. I'm not judging anyone. We're not as a church judging. We're simply revealing to them, this is what the word of God says. If you're a believer and you have acknowledged what? What relationship and accountability with other believers, you can't just live your life however you want to live it. It doesn't work like that. I care too much for you. So Matthew Chapter 18 says what? If someone is, 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 has offended you or is sinning, you go to them one-on-one and say, please change the way that you're living. Because if they hear you, you've gained a brother. If not, what? Take someone else. Take two. And go to that one. Say, please, we plead with you, change the way that you're living your life. You're part of a body and we protect what? That which is the Lord's, the bride of Christ, and we pursue holiness and purity. 
They've heard you, you've gained a brother. If not, what? Then we're going to tell it to the church. Yeah, but then that you're, you're being so judgmental. You're being so attacking. No, no, no. We're being obedient to what the word of God says. God has given to us authority and that, that authority comes with it a responsibility to speak all the truth. And so we have to do that. We have to learn how to do that. People don't preach on this text because I think it's controversial in a sense that what, we're not going into a spiritual police work here. Blue lights on. Whoa, 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 whoa. I saw you cross the lane here. No, that's not it. But it's living life alongside of one another. It's allowing our lives to be transparent and open to say, you know what? I personally, I, Pastor Tim Boger, need every one of you speaking into my life. And I need to be speaking into yours. We need to accept that in humility and live like that. As a local church, we have been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven, which tells people, and we should tell people, this, this full weight, full truth of the gospel is the only way in. But your life's not living that. It's not showing that. You don't believe that. You realize that there is no kingdom for you. There's eternal separation. There's eternal damnation. Again, this is not something that we just race towards, but through care and concern and tears and prayer, we speak openly and honestly into one another's lives. Please note as well, finally in closing, that it does say, and I thought this was interesting, that there were keys and, and, it's, and it's the plural form. So there's, there's many keys to the kingdom. Please, please understand what this means, that there's only one, 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 one lock, one door to be unlocked. There's not the key from different religions, whichever route you take, they're all different keys to get us to the same place. It doesn't work like that. It means there's one key that's been cut and there's duplicates made that each of us have one that fits one lock. This is not many ways and paths to that one door. This is the single exact cut key of the gospel that each of us have graciously been what granted. But with that authority comes the responsibility to say, please, I want you to know that Jesus loves you enough that he died for you. If you put your faith in the finished work of Jesus, you accept him as Lord and Savior that you too are granted what? Full access to the glories and kingdom of heaven forever and ever and ever. Please hold on to this. Don't let this authority go to your head, okay? This is authority that comes with responsibility to minister as God has called us effectively for the work of the gospel and for the glory of God. I will give you the keys the kingdom of heaven, an amazing promise in the Lord Jesus Christ that clarifies our purpose and gives us power in what we do as a local church. Father, we love you and I thank you for this reminder from scripture that we, Lord, would, would handle with great care the full truth of the gospel, that we would be reminded this morning of the responsibility that is upon our shoulders Speak truth in love. And Lord, that it would, we would emphasize both. 
that, that we would not move or budge on the full truth and we would not ever present any of that apart from the love that you've modeled and shown us. Father, I pray for us together as a church that as we introduce others to Jesus, that we would do it with great care. Father, that as we have a responsibility to guard and protect this local church that you would give to us and lead us in your spirit, the the wisdom that is needed and the discernment that is needed, or that we would seek to restore to fellowship those who are wandering, that we, Lord, would, would be obedient to your word and that you would be pleased with us. That is our prayer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.